All right, welcome into post-game edition of the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bream. Eric Scopel is next to me. Uh, boy, Eric, we're going to have to recap this one and explain and make some sense Ooh. out of a game in which Oregon did not trail until the final nine seconds of a football game. Yeah. And they lose 27-20. to 20. Um, Bo Nix threw a touchdown pass. Uh, was it to, to Seth Williams? Seth Williams, yeah, yeah. For, I believe it was 26 yards on, on a touchdown with nine seconds matched up against redshirt freshman nickel corner Verone McKinley. Yeah. Um, boy, gut, this is, this, I mean, this is a gut-wrenching loss because for, well, we were, we were talking about this before we started recording, like, what, two quarters, three quarters, Oregon was like, the team that you were like, they're going to win. It might be a blowout like we initially thought the way it started, but they're going to win. It's hard to know where to even start with this one, but I think the obvious place for me is that Oregon goes up 21-6 with 9-23 left in the third quarter when Darian Felix comes in. By the way, a couple guys here basically making debut scoring touchdowns. Spencer Webb had a great touchdown cast in the first half, and Felix had his first uh, touchdown run in in the second to go up 21-6. And at that point... It really feels like Oregon is going to win. They're going to win fairly handily, possibly. And yet, there comes Auburn, and they score, you know, 20 points over the last 24 minutes or so of the game to to win. Oregon does not score. And to me, I don't really blame the defense. I thought the defense played really, really well throughout. Obviously, Auburn scores a late touchdown, and I think I give Gus Malzahn and and that that staff a lot of credit for getting their best wide receiver, Seth Williams, against Oregon's. I don't want to drag Verone McKinley, but their least proven defensive back on the field, and and they get it in a jump ball situation, and it's it's a pretty easy catch, you know, throwing catch for for Bonix, who didn't play very well, to Seth Williams to decide the game. Um, But to me, this came down to offensively. I didn't think Oregon was very aggressive throwing the ball down the field. I didn't think after they got that 15-point lead that they really challenged Auburn very much. It was fairly vanilla. Um, I've, I've already said on social media, if you if you followed, I think you can attribute a lot of that to the fact that Oregon was out without five of their best, probably seven or eight receivers, maybe five of their best nine. I don't know how you want to put it out there, but Juwan Johnson doesn't play. That was a late game-time decision, and um, it showed. I, they didn't have the guys out there to really get separation down the field. Um Herbert played really well, 28 for 37, 242 yards, but he rarely really threw the ball further than maybe yeah. 5 to 10 yards down the field in, in situations where they, they needed something down the field. They just didn't go for it. They didn't really attempt it, and I think that was probably what was frustrating. And, you know, the game ends with, honestly, Oregon actually kind of gets overlooked. With three seconds left, Oregon has a, the ball about the 40-yard yeah. line. It looks like they have a shot to possibly win the game. To win the game. And Herbert's worst throw of the entire game is probably his last one because he airmails it through the back of the end zone but we talked about it all week about the, you know how important it was going to be for Oregon's wide receivers to win some battles against Auburn secondary and um, they didn't do it enough at the end of the game. Yeah you look at this game and in the first quarter Oregon wrapped up 176 yards, mm-hmm. 14 points uh, they scored two touchdowns they had gotten into the red zone twice, they left with one touchdown, they also had a missed field goal, From, but they... That was a key we should take. That was really well. important of a miss. Um, and then you look at the other quarter averages. I mean, Oregon's averaging 7.7 yards per play in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And then in the second quarter, they mastered just 23 yards yep. 
on 13 total plays for 1.8 yards per per play. In the third quarter, things are a little bit better, but not great. 77 yards of offense, 17 plays, 4.5 yards per play. And then in the fourth, just 56 yards on 17 plays. But that's it, 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 I asked Mario Cristobal why was the offense just operating at such a high level mm-hmm. in the first quarter, and then in the next three, they, they couldn't do anything. They had 14 drives. Seven of those 14... They had 14 total drives in this football game. You eliminate the first three, and you're left with 11 drives that ended uh, in just 44 plays, 191 yards, seven points over four, over three quarters of football, mm-hmm. and seven of those 11 drives ended... With three and outs yeah. or less. I mean, they they had they had one one play drives. They had two play drives. I mean, it, it the offense. And you're right. You said the defense was absolutely. They were great. They were really good in this That's, game, and really the well. defense did not lose this game, even though they gave up the touchdown with nine seconds to go in the game. Sure. Um, the offense just they had so many opportunities, and you know. It, it's, it's funny because we were kind of joking about it leading up to the week of, oh, well, well, Auburn had six you know trips into the red zone and didn't score points, and you know they, they wasted all these opportunities. And Oregon's got a much better quarterback right. from and Justin Herbert than Jake Browning, and mm-hmm. yet they did it all over again. Yeah, and I think one thing in the passing game that stands out in that first quarter, Johnny Johnson, there was a, a weird coverage situation. He got open behind the defense, wide open for yep. 47 yards. I think Jalen Red had something like that. Spencer Webb made an incredible play. Oh, sure. But those were plays where I thought Auburn defensively really wasn't up for the challenge. And, you know, you'd go back and you'd have to, I'd have to watch the game over. But I don't think Auburn made near as many mistakes in, you know, the last three quarters defensively. And, again, Oregon just had a really hard time finding open field. And um, we should mention this was not a situation where they dropped the ball. I think Brian, we should mention Brian Addison did have one drop. And yep. that drop was a, a t- would have been a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Um, other than that, they played pretty clean football out wide. I thought they, they did a really good job. Johnny, Johnny Johnson had a great game. Made yeah. a lot of great plays. Seven catches for 98 yards. Jalen Red was very reliable underneath. Nine catches for 64. But it just it wasn't enough um, overall to, to get it done. And um, I, I said this on Twitter earlier. I, I think I didn't see anything in this game that leads me to believe Oregon can't win the Pac-12. Really? I, I, no, I didn't see anything out there that way. I think the issues Oregon had were largely at wide receiver. And they should get some of these five guys. All these five guys will be back at some point this season, and they should get some of these guys back by the time they play Stanford, which is their next big test. And we shouldn't overlook Nevada. They just upset Purdue um, on Friday. But I think this team, you look at this team, obviously they have the quarterback. I thought the offensive line probably was either 50-50 or maybe a slight win for Oregon. I thought they played pretty good. I thought the tight end play was pretty solid. The running back play was pretty good. Um, I thought the defense... All three levels were really good. The secondary, to me, was that's really good. the best secondary Oregon's had in, in quite couple some years. time. And, um, I thought the linebackers were all over the place. Bo Nix was 13 for 31. He had two interceptions. A lot of those passes that he had incomplete were because Oregon had pressure up the middle. They had pressure off the edge. I thought they did a good job of mixing things up and making his life difficult. Um, but, again, the one spot they weren't able to win was at wide receiver. And because of that, I, I think... I mean, I really think that's where the game comes down. I, I, yeah. I, I'd be hard-pressed to, to point the finger anywhere else, and, and, uh, and that's disappointing. And, and there was some conservative play calling, and we should probably get to that. But yeah, I think Ma- that was a product of, of the receiver issues. Yeah, I asked Mario Cristobal, could he explain what was just different about mm-hmm. the offense in the first quarter compared to the rest of the game? And he said they got off schedule, and they kind of yeah. got out of rhythm. Um, 
they had some plays dialed up that were working, and then next thing you know, some, you know, they were when he says getting off schedule, meaning you know they're not they're not getting good yardage on first down, they're not putting themselves in, in second and shorts and third and shorts, and that's true. I mean, look at look at the first down plays, you know, between these two teams, and Oregon averaged three point eight yards per play on first down. Auburn averaged. 6.6. I mean, that's a huge difference. Twice as many yards. And we noticed that in the second half that Oregon's defense, while they were playing valiant and they were, you know, performing well, they were starting to break down. They were starting to look tired. They were starting, you know, to have some cracks in that defense just because they were out on the field so much. And, you know, the offense wasn't able to get into a rhythm and give the defense a break. And the defense had to, you know, was called upon so many times. And, now, this isn't Michigan State from the Red Box Bowl. You know, Auburn's a pretty good team. And, you know, we started to see that play out where, you know, they were getting four, five, six, seven, eight, nine yards on run plays and on first down. And Oregon, like you said, Oregon in the first, I think in the first half was aggressive or in the first quarter was aggressive. Um, I like the play calling. I like the plays. Uh, the scheming was really good. And then for, for whatever reason, you mentioned it, you know, they, they kind of got, Conservative. I don't know if they were playing to lose, you know, you know, playing not to lose. Hopefully, they weren't playing to lose. Yes, uh, I phrased that wrong. Maybe playing not to lose, right. or if, if they're trying to suck the air out of the football. I don't know. Um, it just they lost that edge. I just think they it became pretty clear they weren't going to get wide receivers open downfield, and it became a situation where Auburn knew that Oregon was going to try to run the football right. in these situations, and there were some pretty clear spots where. Oregon came up short on third down and fourth and short where they tried to run the ball kind of right into the heart of that Auburn defense. And to Auburn's credit, they, they stood up those plays and, and, and stopped them from going for the necessary yardage. And we should mention, I think, really one of the most critical plays of the game came with Tyler Shuck on the field for yeah. his only play. And it's not Tyler's fault at all, but Justin Herbert looks like he, he knocked knees in the previous play. Sets up a fourth and one. Oregon uses two timeouts, and Chris Bowles asked after the game what was going on there, and uh, he said that they were just trying to get the right personnel on the field. It looked, we, there was confusion in the press box about the rule. Um, if Herbert could have come back if they used a timeout, Oregon uses one timeout, tried to put Herbert back on the field, then they used another timeout when they realized that that's not going to work and Chuck has to go on the play and they need Chuck to actually be on the field. They ended up burning both timeouts. Um, on the same play, and then to make matters worse, they don't pick up the fourth down. And if they have one of both of those timeouts, and or maybe even Herbert's on the field, things might have gone completely differently. But that was, to me, a really critical spot in the game where, boy, if they would love to have one of those timeouts left at the end of the game. Yeah, Mario was asked about kind of that sequence of plays, what happened and, and whatnot. He said that um, they had some personnel out there that wasn't supposed to be out there, and then they had some guys that originally weren't, in on that play, but because of injuries or guys who were cramping up during the game, right. they had to put other guys out there who, who maybe aren't as, you know, used to running the, you know, the plays that they were going to run. Um, and so they had to call a second timeout. Um, Justin, Justin Herbert said that uh, he thought the timeout could get him back into the football game. Yeah. Mario Cristobal said at one point that they that's what they thought, and then they learned that they couldn't do that, and then they kind of had to adjust. So <coughs> I, mean, that, I think you know that's probably going to be one of the blunders of this football game mm-hmm. is you, know, you, you kind of put yourself in a really just bad situation having to use two timeouts. But, you know, it, it just didn't look, you know, all the way, all way around. It just wasn't a good execution. It wasn't yeah. good. I mean, I don't know if the referees 
didn't explain something more clearly or if they could have or, or what, but all the way around, it just is not a good showing. Yeah, and if you want to be critical, and I know a lot of people on Twitter will be, it's, it's a situation where Oregon probably needs to know the rule better and not be in a situation where they're going to burn two timeouts and they're just going to use one timeout to get Shuck ready. That's fine, but using losing both timeouts, and we should mention Oregon used a timeout on their very first play from scrimmage of, the, of this game, which was not a great start. And, um, you know, some of the other timeouts came in inopportune moments. I think probably a learning game for not just the players but, but also the coaches. And I think one thing that is a positive is that it didn't appear any significant injuries were suffered in sure. this game. Obviously, Oregon, that wide receiver, remains a total mystery. It'll be really interesting to see who's available for Nevada next week. Is Jawan Johnson able to come back? What about Lance Willhoit? Um, I assume, I mean, Pittman, Schooler, and Waters aren't coming back for that game, but who's going to be available and, and how do they adjust? Uh, again, Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson had 16 catches for about 150, 160 yards. Um, didn't drop a single pass. Uh, they played really, really well. I just don't think they got enough help um, from other guys. Uh, Breland and Webb are the other two guys um, in the top four in, in receiving yards, and, and those are tight ends. So that position group coming into the fall was the one we were looking at. It's kind of like this could decide some games, and unfortunately right. kind of did. it kind of did. Um, where Oregon goes from here now, um, a lot of players talked about not letting this loss catch them a couple times, not letting this loss define the season. Mark Cristobal said their goals are still attainable. Right. Um, I, I think that's somewhat true. I think if they go 11-1, and one, you know, they win the next 11 football games, they will be in the discussion, obviously, for the college football playoff. I, I'm going to have a hard time, though, with the reputation the Pac-12 has yeah. saying it's going to be an automatic. I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult to say that you know, Oregon can run the table. I mean, is there a signature win now in the, in the conference? Because this was kind of being built right. I mean, as that. It comes down to how good is Washington, yep. how good is Stanford, how good is USC probably, and maybe Arizona State as well. Do we also say how good is Auburn? Because, good I mean, is I, true. I mean, I... True. How uh, good is Auburn? I, uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't come away being like, that looks like a team that's going to compete for an SEC crown, to be honest with you. I thought Bo Nix was very shaky. Um, I thought... Offensively, their receivers. Like, Bo Nix really didn't do anything that hurt Oregon until the final drive. Right. Until the, and, and and he played pretty well down the stretch in general. But like, yeah, I, I didn't. He didn't play very well. I do think the rest of that defense is really really good for Auburn, and um, and I do think they've got some athletic guys and stuff. The running back Jatavius Whitlow had 110 yards rushing. He played pretty well. But yeah, how good is Auburn? That remains to be seen. But I think at the, end, at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think Oregon is still very much capable of winning this conference. Sure. I, I didn't come away feeling like there was, aside from wide receiver, which is an obvious hole, I didn't feel like there was really any positions where I was like, God, they really have problems there. We should mention Blake Maimon was booting the ball around like crazy until the very yeah, end of the game. Teams. <laughs> well, but the playing right. was a, a question mark. Sure, sure. Until the very end of the game, and then in the most important punt of the game, he kicks it 29 yards after averaging like 52 yards a punt. I mean, that was just bad timing for that. He'd been so good all game. But place kicking, I think, continues to be a big question mark as well. Uh, Camden Lewis missed a 20-yard field goal. It's a chip shot. You can't miss that. It's basically an extra point. Um, they didn't try a field goal from there. We should mention Javon Holland was freaking awesome as a punt returner. Yeah. He almost took one back. He had three punt returns for 131 yards. It's like a 43-yard average. Every one of his returns went for more than 20 yards. I think they found something there. But, uh, again, I still think this team is capable of, of rattling off a bunch of wins and being really, really good. But this certainly is a sour taste. Yeah, let's, let's wrap up this podcast with one note on injuries. 
Um, Jawan Johnson did not play. We got some clarity on a couple guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we can confirm that Adrian Jackson is out with a lower leg injury. Um, we've heard it's a broken foot, but no one can officially confirm that. But everyone we've been able to talk to has confirmed that he is out. Um, yeah. Is the timeline for that unknown? Uh, it's indefinite. It's probably a long time. Yeah. And then we also were told that Jawan Johnson was a game time decision. He was going to try and work out. Uh, he taped, you know, he taped his ankles up, kind of got himself out there, but did not, you know, go through warm ups. Did not go through team warm ups when the full pads were on. He just couldn't get. He couldn't go. Um, Mario Cristobal said he. He had a, what was it? A, a re-aggravated, a re-aggravated soft muscle injury in his calf. Right. Um, he said that happened some point during camp. End, last end of couple, this last end week. End of the yeah. last week. Right. Um, we know that Cristobal earlier in the week said he was 100% or last week. He last, said on Monday. On Monday, he was 100% good to go. So it happened at some point from Tuesday yeah, until he made it sound like it was like a Wednesday Thursday short sort until of when he got here um, and then Cam McCormick he said that they just held him out um, because he just wasn't he you know, hadn't really practiced and they didn't want to put him out you there you feel for that guy he's <laughs> dealt with so many injuries um, and so that's kind of the only real injuries that we didn't know about for certain mm-hmm. um, going in, into this game we knew about Michael Pittman we knew about Brendan Schooler we knew about J.R. Waters we knew about Lance Wilhoyt right um but those, you know, that's kind of really the only injuries that we didn't know about going into this football game. And um, Oregon kind of looks like they're going to walk out of this stadium, AT&T Stadium, relatively healthy for the most part because everyone else either who got hurt ended up coming back into the game at some point. Yeah, to play they're, they're basically as healthy as they entered as they're exiting from our yes. perspective. Uh, which is probably... All you can ask for at this point, considering the rash of injuries. So, uh, for Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Perim, thanks for listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. We'll be back on Monday um, to talk more Oregon Duck football as we get ready for Nevada. Thanks for listening, guys. Adios, amigos. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.